Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. I think that Martha had kind of that orphan spirit or what I call the hired help mentality, which is like, I have to look out for myself or nobody else will. I have to take all the weight of the world on my shoulder. And I believe that Jesus was inviting her to be settled on the inside, even when her hands were busy. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. So I have a question for you. Are you a doer? Are you one who loves to check things off of her to-do list? (laughs) That would be me. I uh, survive off of my to-do list. And oftentimes it honestly really begins to control my life. And that is a place that God's been growing me. And if that is you as well, today's episode is just for you. We're going to actually dig into a story in the Bible that you may or may not know, but it's one that we really need to understand from a healthy perspective. My friend Katie Reed is going to help us do that. Katie is the author of Made Like Martha and A Very Bavarian Christmas. Uh, She also is the co-host of the Mary and Martha Show. It's a podcast, and she's a singer-songwriter. But most importantly, Katie loves to inspire others to live out their God-given purpose with tenacity and grace so that they can stand on truth and walk in freedom. And I love that. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Katie. Thanks so much for having me, Jill. It's a treat to be here with you. Oh my goodness. It really is. You know, the first time you and I, I think the first time that we met, you were doing, um, you do a Facebook show with you and your, with your husband and you had Mark and I on, right? What was that? What's that called? Are you still doing those? We are not, although Adam was lamenting it the other day. It's called Stop Hammock Time. And we have lots of videos on my Facebook page and YouTube. And we love doing it, Jill, but you know, every Wednesday night, like, and we'd, without fail, have some sort of little argument before, right? As we're (laughs) trying to minister to others. But it was such a sweet time. And who knows, maybe it'll come back one day. But it was a lot of a lot of fun, but a lot of work, as you know. Um, But yes, we had you guys on that. And that was a blast. Yeah, it was really fun. So tell us just a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? Tell us a little bit about your family. 
Sure. So we're in the middle of Michigan here. My husband's a pastor at our church and um, we have five lively children ranging in (laughs) age from five to 17. Our girls are our bookends. And then we have three rough and tumble boys in the middle. And um, I'm also newly this year, the worship leader at our church. So that adds to the, the fun. And I recruited maybe coerced my two boys to be a part of the worship team um, and help me out. So I couldn't convince my daughter to, but we're enjoying, I am enjoying them doing that with me. I I think they semi, maybe semi enjoy it. Now, what are the age ranges of your kids? So, so the youngest is five, the oldest is 17. And then we have eight, 13 and 15. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, we have a senior and a kindergartner. <laughs> oh, I remember when we were there. I so remember that. In fact, I remember, I think it was when our youngest was three, I said, I am potty training and and driver's training at the same time. And right. then I... And there's I, some similarities there. Yes, <laughs> Yes, there is. I remember that. Um, And at one point we had, this was before we adopted number five, but we had one in preschool, one in grade school, one in junior high and one in high school. It was nuts. (laughs) So it sounds like you are in that season of life as well. For sure. You've written a book, Katie, called um, Made Like Martha. And there is a story about Mary and Martha in the Bible. So tell us a little bit about that story. And ultimately, tell us also why you wrote a book called Made Like Martha. Well, Jill, I have to tell you a funny story is when the book came out, several people thought the Martha they were referring that I was referring to was Martha Stewart. I'm like, well, you kind of get the same picture, right? (laughs) Whether it's made like Martha Stewart or made like Martha from the Bible. I mean, there's a few similarities there. But basically, there's these two sisters, Martha and Mary, and they have a brother named Lazarus. And they are friends of Jesus. And so Jesus and his disciples come to their home. And Martha, we think she could have been the oldest because she's mentioned first in the Bible. And there's a good chance that maybe the sibling set was actually orphaned because back in Bible times, it was very odd that they were not married, you know, or else all their spouses died, which would be more unlikely, right? Or they could have been a part of a certain group that chose not to get married. But probably the most likely is that they were orphaned. So you can imagine Martha as potentially the oldest and taking care of her siblings, kind of what her personality might be like. And so Jesus and his disciples are there in their home. And Mary is sitting and listening to Jesus teach, which actually was quite countercultural women wouldn't have have typically have done that. So she's not, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we think she's being like weak or lazy doing this, but she actually was doing something that was important. Well, her Mm -hmm. sister Martha is, I imagine, scurrying around getting ready, you know, for company, trying to be a Mm -hmm. good hostess. And she's frustrated because Mary's sitting there and she says to Jesus, this is my paraphrase, you know, hey, Jesus, tell Mary to help me. I've been left all alone to do all this work. And Jill, I really wanted the story to go a different way because I am very much like Martha. I'm a firstborn girl, ultra responsible, and I can put myself in this story very easily. 
And it's like, I wish Jesus would have said, Mary, your sister's right. Get off your duff and go help her, right? <laughs> because unless they were going to, I mean, Jill, unless they were going to fast or he was going to multiply loaves and fish, like someone had to cook so they could eat. Right. And so Jesus doesn't say that though, right? He says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the better part. And Jill, this story, I was just like, I do not like this ending, but I believe the Bible's true. And you and I both know that there have been books and sermons given that we should not be like Martha. We should be more like Mary. And while I understand the importance of having time with Jesus and learning from him, I was made like Martha from the time Mm. I was young. And so I felt like, you know, bad Martha, good Mary. And it was this wrestle I had. And so I wanted to take a closer look at this story and see what was Jesus actually saying and what have we just added to it? Wow, that is really powerful. So tell me, what did you discover when you began to dig into that story and looking at it closely? Well, one thing is in John eleven five, there's another account, right, of this sibling set. They're, spoiler alert, right? Their brother is sick and dies and they call for Jesus. Well, he's sick and they call for Jesus. He doesn't come right away and Lazarus dies. And so Jesus actually ends up resurrecting him from the dead. But in John eleven five, we read, it says, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And so for so long, when I read this story, I felt like Martha wasn't loved. But then I started looking at other scriptures that talk about Jesus disciplines those he loves. He's actually mm-hmm. treating that, you know, people as sons and daughters when he disciplines. You think about that with your own kids. If I didn't love my kids, I would just let them run in the road if they felt like it. Mm-hmm. But that is not actually loving, right? right? And so I discipline my kids because I love them. And so it's not so we need to first realize, yes, Jesus was correcting Martha here, but mm-hmm. it was out of love. And he didn't even ask her, I don't think, to stop getting food ready. I think it was more of a heart posture that he was pointing out because again, if no one works, nothing gets done. We we know that God values work in the Bible. That's clear. He gave work to Adam and Eve in the garden. And so it's not the work that was the issue. I believe it was the heart posture and what was going on inside. And I believe, again, there's speculation, again, that they were orphans. I think that Martha had kind of that orphan spirit or what I call the hired help mentality, which is like, I have to look out for myself or nobody else will. I have to take Mm. all the weight of the world on my shoulders. And I believe that Jesus was inviting her to be settled on the inside, even when her hands were busy. And we see in this, you know, John 11 story, when Jesus is talking to Martha about Lazarus, he reveals who he really is to her. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And so all of a sudden she starts to understand who he really is and who she is in light of him. One other thing, Jill, is, you know, in when he says Martha, Martha, a lot of times when people's name is repeated in the Bible, it's because a transformation is coming. 
You can really? trace that I've never, I've never noticed that. Yeah. Our friend Lee Neenheis, a mentor of hers, had pointed that out. And I interviewed Wendy Pope and she was talking about the same thing. But what's interesting is I used to read this story like, Martha, Martha, get your act together, girl. But I think it was more like cupping her face and saying mm. it tenderly. Martha, Martha, there's a better way here. There's a better way to carry out your purpose, you know, than this angst and this frustration. And so I don't think he was asking her to be Mary. I think he was inviting her to be like her in that, but that didn't mean there wasn't likable things about her. And that's where I think we've added to the story. Gotcha. Yes. You know, I think that as women and particularly as high producing women, women that are about getting it done and getting things done, we can slip into kind of almost that martyr syndrome, can't we? Absolutely. That's what Martha was slipping into to some degree. Some of the verses in there use that language, you know, Lord, don't you care? I've been left to do this all alone. I mean, that's that scarcity mentality, right? Of like seeing the lack versus the abundance. And the transformation we see with Martha is this hired help mentality or this outlook of scarcity to one of abundance. And, you know, if I can indulge in a little story here, for almost 40 years, I lived with like that hired help mentality. I knew that, you know, Jesus had died on the cross for my sins and that I was to, you know, I could believe in him and receive that salvation, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. rescue from him. But then I live like it was all up to me to keep him happy or to be the best wife, the best friend, the best fill in the blank. And I'm imagining some of the listeners can relate to that, but I was talking with a friend once and she was talking about grace. And, you know, that's where we throw around, like, let's give grace before a meal, right? Let's pray before a meal or, you know, be more gracious. And I knew that buzzword grace, but I didn't really get it. And so God gave me this picture in my mind's eye. And so I want to bring you guys into that moment. So we live in an A-frame home with two wings on the sides and we have the Mm -hmm. original orange shag carpeting from 1976. (laughs) It's just a sight to behold. But anyway, I, even though I made like Martha, I'm not the most tidy housekeeper. It's kind of like hostzilla before people get there. Like we got to hurry and clean this place up. And so in my mind's eye, I'm throwing Legos, you know, trying to clean up and dust and all these things. And there in a lazy boy in the middle of my living room is this image of Jesus, you know, in my mind. And he's like, Hey, Katie, come take a break from that. Come sit, sit with me. And it's like this modern day Mary and Martha moment. And in my head, I'm going, God, there's so much to do. We're trying to get ready for company. And he reminds me, he goes, Katie, I live here. I'm not company to impress. I'm family to enjoy. Mm. And the dialogue continued, Jill, where I was like, if I stop, I'm th- I'm giving Jesus Bible verses. You know, Satan did the same thing, right? I was like, um, but faith without works is dead, right? There's good works we've got to do. And he goes, Katie, there is time for that. But those works aren't a way to get my love. You already have my love. When you do things, it should be a response to already being loved. And because you're so thankful 
It's not something to strive to get something. You already have my love. I've rescued you. Now serve from that place, that place of abundance. Mm. And Jill, it really changed things. And he gave this phrase, grace is a gift to be received. It's not a prize to be earned. He, he won that prize for mm. us on our behalf. But when you're a high-functioning woman, it can be very hard to receive. We're good yes. at maybe being mother, mother hens, right? But to receive like a daughter whose dad just loves her, I think can be very hard and even scary. Because like, if we just have to receive this, then what do we do? That I mean, like, it's like we're spinning our wheels. And that was really what God said to me is, you don't know how to really be a daughter. You know how to be a mom. You know how to manage people. Mm -hmm. But what does it look like to receive from me? Mm. Wow, that is powerful. And, um, you know, it just says this ties into perfectionism so much. I mean, those of us that are doers struggle with what I call in my No More Perfect books, the perfection infection. And that's really what you're talking about here is you're talking about this battle between the perfectionism that's in our head and our heart and the grace that God wants us to experience instead of that. Right. And you know something, I call myself a recovering perfectionist, Jill. I know that part of the reason we get along so well, it's like we get each other, right? Mm-hmm. This is the, the quest. But one thing to give ourselves some grace is that thirst for perfection is not a bad thing in some ways because in Christ, there is that perfection. In heaven, everything will be as it should be. But if we're expecting that here on earth, I think um, in the birth order book, they talk about this. You're going to be constantly discouraged if you are expecting that of yourselves and those around you. And so much of my angst, angst and anger comes when I'm expecting that of myself and of my family. It's just constant frustration for, for all. Yes. Well, agreed. Unrealistic expectations really breeds discontentment. When we sit in those unrealistic expectations day in and day out, we're discontent. And that discontentment can move to discouragement, disillusionment, and even disconnection. And man, we got to understand that journey and stop it before it goes too far down the road. And like you said, many of us are actually made like Martha. We're made to be high producers and to get things done. And there's a leadership gift in there that God wants us to use, but he wants us to use it in balance with our relationship with him. Absolutely. You know, we're talking about to-do lists and I have zillions of them, but in the shift that Martha had from this hired help mentality to a beloved daughter's reality, I believe it's kind of something similar that happened to me where I used to make a list of everything we lack. 
worked, right? We were in camping ministry. Our salary was not big. And so I was constantly making lists of if we get a little more money, I'll do this or, you know, all of this. So it was like I was rehearsing the lack or what needed to be fixed around the house. And I read Ann Voskamp's book, A Thousand Gifts, and I started making a list of the things I already had. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at first it's kind of easy, right? Oh, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful that. As you keep going, you have to dig deeper. And I saw a transformation in my joy and peace. It actually was there as I started recording, making lists, which I love to do, of what we already had. And I think it's the same in our spiritual lives, right? If we're always looking at, oh, I wish I had that person's gifting or I wish I had more time. I just did this, um, you know, toward the end of the year. I calculated what went well this past Mm -hmm. year because I could list things that have not gone well. And my husband is naturally more optimistic than I am. And so he'll ask me sometimes if I'm getting into kind of a complaining cycle. He's like, well, what went well today? And it stops me in this well-worn path in my brain of worry or complaining, and I have to go a different way. And so I think that's the opportunity we have today. If you're made like Martha, you you don't have to lose that DNA of being a doer, but you can do it. You can do in a different way, that way of abundance and that way of being loved already. Yes. You're reminding me of when I was uh, a stay-at-home mom when my kids were little. And for the longest time, you know, I was always about my to-do list and I would get to the end of the day and very few things on my to-do list would get done because I had little kids and I started making a done list and I started putting things on it that were not things that usually would be on a to-do list. But I started writing down like, I changed this many diapers today. And I read this many books to my kids. (laughs) And I read this particular book this many times to my kids. (laughs) And really what, what I was doing was exactly what you're talking about here. I was shifting from looking at the lack to looking at the abundance and to realize that I was accomplishing things. I made snacks, I made food, I fed my family. I, you know, and I began to see it through different eyes and boy, what we shine the light on, like we spotlight the lack or what we don't get done, or we spotlight the abundance and what we have accomplished, or we see the things that maybe we take for granted. And it's sometimes just a shifting of that spotlight, isn't it? Yeah. I love that you did that. And I would love to gift your listeners a tool if they just, I'll give it to you after too, but if they go to kdmread.com slash Martha hyphen resources, we have something called the all done calendar. And it's just what you're talking about. It's just this blank. (laughs) calendar that they can print out. And at the end of the day, you just write down what you did. And at the end of the month, you have this whole list of things you did, not all the things you still have left to do. And we talk about celebrate what you've already done instead of fixating on what you haven't done. And you know, it might be, I changed 10 poopy diapers, or I made that difficult phone call, 
or mm-hmm. I cleaned half the bathroom. You can totally count cleaning half the bathroom, even if you <laughs> didn't get it all done. But it, it's that thing that, you know, my to-do list, if, if I get it done, there's just more I add to it. It's never ending. And so just writing a couple things down at the end of the day, or you could do it in the morning for the previous day, just write those things down or put it in the notes in your phone, because I think we need to stop and feel good about what did get done, even if it wasn't everything we wanted to get accomplished. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk for a moment about um, balance. I think that many of us, I mean, we've been talking about balance in our head and our heart, but, you know, I think that oftentimes balance feels like an uphill climb for many of us, especially um, those of us that are working outside the home. Um, and there's this this struggle between what needs to happen at home, what needs to happen in the work. Uh, how do you personally uh, find balance? As I know you have a lot of different things that you're involved in. How does all of this uh, really kind of reset your thinking on balance? Well, I think when I hear the word balance, I just hear pressure. That That's the word that comes to mind of like, mm-hmm. keep everything perfectly balanced. And that just makes me feel like I'm going to topple over. And so I, I kind of use a different term. And that's, I want to be a faithful steward. You know, a steward is someone who's been trusted with another person's property, and they need to manage it well. And mm-hmm. so my thought process is, God, help me to faithfully steward what's in front of me right now. So right now, it's our interview. After this, it'll be grocery shopping, you know, with my kids. And whatever it is, God, help me to faithfully steward this moment or this relationship. Now we know as if you're a busy mom, Sometimes many things need your attention at the same time. And so then we just ask God, okay, how do, how do I faithfully steward this? But there's three words that we are all so familiar with that also help in this. And the first one is yes. And you might think, well, how is saying yes more going to help me balance? But we want to say yes to God's assignments for us. There are things, mm-hmm. Jill, that only you can do. There are things mm-hmm. that only I can do. There's a lot of things that other people could do at at least like 75% capacity that maybe I need to let go. When I started writing more, my husband told the kids, mom's not doing the dishes anymore. You guys are going to do it. We're going to spread it out. And at first I felt guilty. And then they started doing it and they didn't, guess what? They didn't load it like I would. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. I gave some instruction, but I also had to let go how they did it because they were doing it at least 75% capacity and only filling it sometimes at 75% capacity. But I needed to say yes to more writing. And as I moved in and did that, it actually made room for them to learn responsibility, to learn, you know, it, it made room on both ends. So there are things, again, what is the things that only you can do? What are things that someone else could do at at least 75% capacity? And then we want to learn to say no. No to guilt and manipulation. No to saying mm-hmm. someone asks us to do something that might be a good thing. 
but is that a God assignment for us mm, or not? Yes. And so discerning mm-hmm. that, because there's a lot of times, if you're made like Martha, there's a lot of times you say yes, because that's what you quote unquote should do. Or maybe you're trying to people please, or maybe you're trying to earn your worth that we just need to get better at saying no to those things. And then the last one is maybe the hardest and it's help. And when you're mm. a strong, capable woman, asking for help is probably not your favorite thing to do for several reasons. One, because maybe you feel like it looks like you're weak or you can't handle it. Maybe it's because you know they're not going to do it the way you would do it. Mm -hmm. But delegation is not weak. It's actually wise. And like I said, with the dishwasher example, my husband delegating that to the kids, it wasn't a weakness. It was actually wisdom. And Mm. so many women, I think especially, we have opportunities like never before, which is very exciting. But that doesn't mean we have to say yes to every opportunity. And I think we look at the landscape and we see people like Joanna Gaines and, um, you know, there's lots of other examples like that where guess what? They're not doing all those things we're seeing. They have a team of people, you know, they probably have help doing some of the tasks that maybe we're trying to do. Yep. You know, I always say you, you can't, you can't grow organic food and sew all your kids clothes and homeschool and work outside the home and bake the homemade cakes all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I always joke with people, I am no longer the cake baker. Part of it is because I see this beautiful cake in my head and I try to make it and it it does not look like that. It is not perfect or anywhere (laughs) near it. So my daughter does it. My sister-in-law does it. But that doesn't mean I'm weak. That means that I'm making a wise choice to take something off my plate. Yes. Because I don't have to prove that I can do all those things. And I think it comes back to where are we getting our worth? It's our worth in our work, because that is a sure way to workaholism, which I have struggled with. Mm -hmm. My brother has Down syndrome. He's two and a half years younger than me. He has worth, just like we all do, because God wove that into his DNA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whether he does other things or not, he is valuable. And so I'm his big sister is the one that feels handicapped to change in that, right? right? Because productivity... It can be kryptonite for those of us who are made like Martha. It can never end. And so I, over the years, God has helped me to get better at leaving a project unfinished till the next day. That is extremely hard for me. Or, okay, I I need to be done working. There's a time to have fun. There's a time to get it done. And as God helps us know what to say yes to, what to say no to, when to ask for help, Yes. That's when we start stewarding, being a faithful steward with the time and the people and the projects that he's given us. Mm, that is such wisdom. I really love that. Yes, no, and help. I love that. You know, there was a phrase somebody gave me years ago, and it has really helped me myself, um, you know, trying to figure out the, especially the no's. And that is, I'm capable. But am I called? I'm capable. Ooh, but am I good. called? And because I'm capable of a lot of things, I, I I can do that. But God, is that really what God's calling me to do? And he taught me that lesson when a brand new store opened in our community. This was 20 some years ago. It was Von Mauer store. And Von Mauer has a live pianist that plays throughout the day. 
and, you know, on this big grand piano. And so when they opened up, I thought to myself, that is a job I could do because my background is piano as a piano teacher. And oh my gosh, I could do that. And I went and I applied and I auditioned and I got the job. And I probably was in it maybe three months. And I really felt like that's when God was saying, you know what, Jill, you're capable of doing this. But did I call you to do it? Is this what I want you to use your time on? I mean, I just literally had jumped at it because I was capable. I hadn't really stopped and and thought about whether it was a wise use of my time. So that was just a season where God really uh, began to help me hone and steward my gifts, my talents, my time in a different way. That's a great example. And I think it's a reminder, if you aren't called to that, then someone else is. And so when we discern that that's not for us, it actually makes room for that other person who is. And sometimes it can be scary. Like I'm thinking about in a church situation where maybe you feel called to step away from something, but it doesn't look like there is anyone. Or what if there's even that gap? But that still doesn't mean you're the one who's supposed to do it. Yep, that's exactly right. Exactly. Oh, this has been a rich conversation, Katie. Thank you so much. I would love for you to share where people can find you online and uh, any of the projects that you're working on that you want to make sure people know about. Let us know how how we can connect with you. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me, Jill. And thank you for your ministry as well. I know it makes a huge difference in people's lives and really appreciate you. So listeners, you can connect with me at katiemreed.com. Reed is R-E-I-D. Also, if you head over there, there's a free video series called Stress Less, Smile More, which talks about some of the principles we talked about. It's a video series that will be delivered for free to your inbox, your email inbox. I'm also the co-host of the Martha and Mary show with Leaning Heist. And my friend Jamie Amrine and I also have a fiction podcast where we uh, write a story and then we ask some quality questions to get you to think called A Remarkable Thought. And also you can find me on changeyourmindchangeeverything.org. We have some parenting resources to help you navigate technology with your kids. That's called Socialized You. And then there's Honorable You, which helps parents talk to their kids about intimacy, sex, body, that kind of stuff as well. So we'd love to connect with you. You can find me on Instagram at Reed. also. Thank you. You have a lot of fun projects out there and um, people need to know about those resources. We'll make sure and include links in the show notes as well. Katie, would you be comfortable just closing us in prayer and praying for those that have been listening and they're experiencing encouragement, conviction, just knowing that there's a a message in this for them uh, that they need to hold dear to their heart? Absolutely. It'd be my honor. Well, dear Lord, we just thank you that you have wired each of us according to your plan. And so I pray for those that are more task-oriented, also for those that are more people-oriented, like these sisters we learned about today, Martha and Mary. God, may we not despise the way that you have wired us, but in that, may we honor you, God. May Mm -hmm. we operate out of that place of being loved by you 
And God, Mm -hmm. if there's any that don't know you as their rescuer from sin, God, I pray that they might make that decision today to be able Mm -hmm. to be called your daughter, to be a beloved daughter, not an orphan, because God, you died on the cross and you rose again to make a way for us. And so I pray that as we go about our days and complete our to-do list, that we would do that from that place of gratitude and thanksgiving, that we would know it's not all up to us. You are there and ready to be there for us. And also you send other people to help Mm -hmm. us. So would you guide us in what to say yes to, what to say no to, and what to say help? And may we start with you. May we say Mm -hmm. yes to you. May we say Mm -hmm. no to those things that are not for us. And may we say help. And God, we are dependent on you. Even if we are very independent people, God, Mm -hmm. we are dependent on you. And we thank you that you love us and you know us so well. And that you cup our face and you say our name and you invite us to peace on the inside, even when our hands are busy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.